following is a message from Axe Church Lakeline, a church located in Northwest Austin, Texas. For more information and other messages, please visit us at axechurchlakeline.com. We are continuing our series in Jesus Relationships uh, this week. And before Lauren gets up here, we're talking about something kind of interesting. Um, It's not one of Jesus' specific relationships, but it's something vital to to, uh, something that happens to a lot of us in here and a lot of us in Austin. Today we're talking about Jesus and transitions. In Austin, Texas, there are so many people transitioning from one stage to another, moving in, moving out, moving together, having careers or jobs. There's all sorts of transition. The beauty of having a small church, I get to know like, hey, we're, our, our lives are constantly shifting. And this, this congregation, this community we have here is a microcosm of what's going on in Austin. So we're going to talk about what life looks like in transition and what Jesus has to say about that. And to lead us into that, Ms. Lauren is going to read our scripture for the day. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let's pray. Father, um, a lot of us are experiencing transition or are in transition right now or have come out of transition. And as we go through this, and as we talk about this today, would you open our hearts to hear something from you? Would you open our hearts to not be hearts of stone, but be hearts of flesh, where you can live and, and breathe and work in us? Father, we thank you for uh, your spirit, and may your spirit enlighten us during these next few minutes. Amen. All right, before we talk about transitions, I want to talk about uh, me 20 to 25 years ago. 
I am 33, so 20 years ago I was 13. 25 years ago I was... Math. Did somebody say 18? Eight. Eight people. I was eight. Uh, got some math majors in here. Way to go. Uh, when I was between eight and 13, I, I started realizing something about how I operated, right? I was, it was like a first coherent thought of a young Barrett. And, and what, it took me eight years. Probably took me ten. Here we go. But what I kind of realized was that I was doing some performance. I, I spent a lot of time performing or putting on a show because I thought that is what I needed to be able to navigate and survive the world. My family, my extended family, uh, lived, I, I never lived close to them. And, and there's some pros to that because I, I know people in lots of different parts of the country but what I realized was whenever I go and see family or, or family friends, what do they see? They don't see the, the every single day. They don't see the five days a week or the seven days a week. At the five and the seven day a week, that's more like a movie. You see what's happening and where life ebbs and flows and, and people get to know who you are, right? Because they see you in your ups and your downs. What I learned to do was present people a photograph, show up once or twice a year with family, and, and show them a photograph. This is what I want to present to you. I'm all buttoned up. I, I'm wearing the, the, the nice clothes or whatever until I, you know, made them dirty. Like, what, what do I want to present to you? Uh, it reminds me of this. I was having a conversation with somebody this week. This isn't the house I grew up in. It would be pretty sweet, but this was what I Googled of symmetrical house. Um, and this is what came up. But if you think about it this way, I don't think it's just me because a lot of us do this. We invite people into our lives. And sometimes, I'm not going to talk about y'all, I've invited people into my lives and shown them certain rooms of the house. So bottom right, let's call that the dining room. Look at the people around my dining room table. We've got interesting people, and the food's great and it's Instagram-worthy, and all of that, right? And sometimes I would click on the light in that part of the house. Then I'd move a little bit, or, or go visit somebody else and turn that light off and show the light in the family room. Hey, here's what we're doing. I'm a likable guy, right? Or, or something like that. I, what do I want to present? We might also be like, okay, what happens in, in the bedroom, right? We turn that light on. This is who I am there. Turn that light off. This is who I am in the attic, right? And we, we have this thing where we turn on different light switches for different people in our lives. I've done this. I grew up doing this, and it took me a while to realize, oh, that's, that's how I was navigating, seeing people and offering them a picture. This is funny, Barrett. This is Athletic Barrett. This is Barrett with a guitar. This is Barrett, I don't know, doing other stuff. Who knows, right? But I learned this like 20, 25 years ago, and I was like, this is interesting. And what it offered me was a lot of anxiety, right? You're like, oh, how do, what was I, what was the picture I gave to these people last time? What do I need to do again? Or I only get to see them at one point. I got to put my best foot forward, some of you guys might experience this on social media or whatever, or, or maybe you're 
new to Austin, our family's far away, and you're like, hey, this, I'm just telling you, this is, this is what I experienced this week. And, and you might be manufacturing a, a picture to offer to other people. At this point as well, 20, 25 years ago, I was uh, rich in my knowledge of television and 90s movies. And there was this opportunity in television and 90s movies, specifically things like Saved by the Bell and California Dreams and some Disney movies, where you had the opportunity anytime you went somewhere new to reinvent yourself, right? You could be whatever you wanted to be. I grew up in Houston and went to school in Minnesota, and I had two buddies that went with me. And we jokingly, on the way up, were talking about what if we just made up personalities and we could fool everyone for four years, right? And then we're like, that's probably not going to work because we know each other and we'd let it slip, right? But there's always this, like, maybe it's not a caper, but it's like a mental heist on your friends. And it's like, I could, if only I could get away and do the next thing, I could be someone completely new. And this was the thing going on in my head because opening the doors was, it was anxiety and it was too much. I I was making a list, (coughs) I was making a list and I was looking at um, the transitions in our, just in our small community here. What might be happening? What are the transitions we're going through? And Every one of you could have walked in saying, I am going to reinvent myself, right? And maybe you have, and we're just all fooled. Or maybe there's things you want to leave behind and leave in the past. That's, that's what kids, here, was, here is what I was thinking of. Are people in transition? We have, and I just listed them by certain life stages, high school. Some people are transitioning out of high school and going into a, a working environment. Some people are transitioning out of high school and going into college. Some people in college might be going to more school. Maybe you're going from junior year to senior year. Or from college to your first job. Or from college to question mark. I have no clue what's next. Some of you are single. And you're going from single to dating. Or single to engaged. Or single to either unplanned or planned more singleness. Right? You're like... I don't need that person, right? Or I, I, don't need a, I don't need a guy, I don't need a girl. And then some of you are like, I want a guy and I want a girl. And, and it's just singleness to more singleness. Some of you are going from single to married. Some of the married people <coughs> are going from married to divorced. Married with no kids to married with kids. Married for one to two or three or 20 kids, right? Or married and Now we're empty nesting. And then uh, maybe this isn't now, but maybe in the future, married to widow or widower. Maybe it's your job. You go from school to a job or maybe school to a career. Or from a job, hey, I'm driving Uber now, but then I'll get in my career. You're going from job to career. Or maybe your trajectory is career to promotion or stagnation or firing. Maybe one of the transitions you're going through is career to retirement or realignment. And then we talked about this in the past couple of weeks, our bandwidth. How much bandwidth do we have? So maybe you're going from full bandwidth 
to, you don't have any bandwidth left, or empty to filling bandwidth, or filling bandwidth to full, or maybe you've realized I had full bandwidth, and then I just something blew up, and I have zero margin in my life. Transition can do that, and I think, I'm looking around, I think most of us in this room can identify one or maybe more of those transitions that have happened. And maybe it's not one of those, but maybe it's geographic. I'm new to Austin. I've been here three months. You're already kind of old for Austin because everyone else has already moved in since. But, but that could be the transition as well. Why do I talk about transitions and relationships in a house? My, my way of handling this was to try to figure out what manufactured presentation of Barrett at 8, 9, 10, 12 years old, I was going to offer people. Sometimes, it's not the presentation of that, but sometimes in transition, which can be a stressful time, stress levels are higher. And let's just be honest about that. Stress levels are higher because there's more unknowns. You're not in the groove anymore. There's more unknowns. And, and it can be good stress, you stress, or distress, bad, bad stress. But there's just more unknowns. And what we see in the unknowns is kind of where we land. What do we lean back on? What's secure for us? Where do we find meaning in our lives? And there's all sorts of places that can be. And I want to say, just be aware, not in a, just be, be aware, not beware in a negative sense, but be aware in your transition of what you lean on. Some people lean on the letters before their name. Mrs. Doctor. Pastor. Sir. Madam. I don't think we have any of those. If you do, let me know. That's, that's cool. You talk to a queen or a king somewhere. I don't know. But some of us rely on the letters after our name. DCE. JD. MD. MBA. And you nurses, I have no clue, because there's like, there's like catalog of, of letters that y'all have, and I don't understand any of them. It's like the uh, Cheesecake Factory menu. It's like 30 pages long, and it's like, I just pick one. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But that's for y'all, and thank you for your work. Thank you for serving uh, the population. Some people rely on that. Some people rely on, uh, that, that might be achievement. Some people might rely on uh, their status. I have X amount of followers or I, am at, I moved here or in transition, this is why I'm here. I can prove to you that I'm worth being here because I run X company or B company or whatever. Some people re rely on what they have. Hey, in the garage, I have X, Y, or Z. Or my 401k says that I have this. Or did you see my symmetrical house that Barrett used as an example that he pulled off the internet? It's interesting what we as humans kind of lean back on. And all of those things that I've mentioned can be wonderful gifts of God. I want the person who's a doctor to be well qualified to diagnose my upper respiratory nonsense going on. And I want them to hand that prescription off to a pharmacist who knows what they're talking about, right? And your house might be used to open up to people that you know or you don't know or people that 
are down on their luck. And your 401k might be just you following Proverbs. Hey, I'm going to set some aside or I'm not going to spend everything now. I'm going to set some aside for later. All of these things can be good things. The, the twist is when we make a good thing a great thing or make the good thing the primary thing. And that's where we get in trouble. And I think it's especially in transition because there's stress and we're a little bit vulnerable there. What I want to submit to you is to look at the vital relationships in your life during transition. The vital relationships in your life. Look at those or look to those because they I think they're a sturdier place to, to lean back on than a title, an achievement, good things that, that you might have or you might have done, but, but they are not meant to carry the weight of your stress, of your anxiety, of your life in transition. So I want to look at Jesus, right? We hear a little bit about him uh, in the Christmas narratives. As a baby, they had all these things. Uh, they, they, they went to Egypt. They did this. They, there was a, a star and all, the, all of the stuff, right? We hear about that. We get a little glimpse of him at maybe um, pre-teen years or around 12 or something like that. It's like, oh, I had to be in my father's house. Sorry, I missed the caravan. And then, then it says, and I was checking up on this, and it's like, and then he went home and was obedient. And Mary pondered all these things in her heart. And I'm like, this is the snippet we get? Like, okay, that's fine. I can live with that. It's the Bible I can trust. But then we, we, we look 15, 20, 18 years later, and we see him again right before he goes into ministry. I want to know what was this dude doing, right? What was Jesus up to for possibly 18 years? Was he being a carpenter? We don't know what happened to Joseph. Did he have to go through a transition of losing an earthly dad and trusting his heavenly father? He'd be like, I need you to navigate this for me. There's a lot of transition that could have happened there, but we see, and I don't want to speak in places where we don't have uh, revelation, but I want to say, what did his transition look like from before ministry, before ministry to into ministry? And this is what it looked like. He was baptized, he was tempted, and then he got to work. I love this about his baptism. Uh, Matthew... 3, 16, says this. And when he had a little conversation with uh, John the Baptist, like, hey, should we do this or not? And just like, yep. And when he was baptized, he immediately went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. This is an amazing moment. Like, it doesn't say the word Trinity in the Bible, but this is where we see the three persons of the Trinity interacting. We've got the Spirit like a dove. We've got Jesus in the water. And then verse 17, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What I love about this, we don't know what he did. Most of what we know about Jesus happens after this. Most of what we know about Jesus happens after this. He starts with this. This is my beloved son with whom I am well. 
pleased. It's Jesus' story. It's your story. There we go. Son, it is though. It's Jesus' story and it's your story. When you enter God's family through the waters of baptism, that is true about you as well. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Some versions say, uh, this is my beloved child in whom I have delight. You didn't have to earn that. You didn't have to earn that at all. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. We can go through this front row. You are his beloved daughter. He delights in you. You are his beloved daughter. He delights in you. You are his beloved son with whom he's well pleased. You are his beloved son and he's well pleased with you. You are his beloved daughter and he is well pleased with you. They didn't have to earn it at all. This was something that was put on them. What I want to submit to you guys today is to say, that is your primary identity. Whether you, I don't know, are the most productive person and you really do your potential well and all the life hacks you've done and you've killed it or crushed it, whatever, that's still not your primary identity. You could have achieved it all. You could be a millionaire, have whatever in the garage. That's not your primary identity. That stuff is not meant to carry the weight of your anxiety, your stress, and your identity. Why? Because it'll crumble. It'll crumble. Your primary identity is when the father looks at you and says, this one's my kid, this one's my child, I love them, and I, I delight in them. I delight in them. The next thing that happens, so he gets baptized, there's baptism, and then there's temptation. And we might know, you know, when, when things are going well, and you're like, hey, I'm baptized, I'm a child of God. That might be going really well for you. <coughs> you might have that all sorted out in your head, maybe even in your heart, maybe even in your gut. I'm God's child. This is awesome. But what happens? Life happens, right? And Jesus goes from baptism to temptation. And I don't want to go through each one of the temptation things, but this is what happens. This is where the devil, this is where he aims. And this is why it's so incredibly important. Where does he go? He doesn't go immediately to, hey, things will go better for you if you just throw yourself down or prove yourself to me or any of the other things. Where does he start? He starts with the most important thing. He's like, if I can get Jesus off on this one, he's done. So what does he say? If you are the son of God, also, this is like three sentences later. The narrative is meant to make us see, this is my beloved son, if you're the son of God. So there's questioning there. In the world, what the world does to us, or what we do to ourselves, is saying, am I worthy of God's delight? Am I really his son? Am I really his daughter? And in transition, we can focus on what we've achieved, or we can focus on ourselves or what we've done or produced rather than what he said about us. Sometimes it happens in transition. Sometimes it happens with just how we've navigated life. And what does the devil do? He likes to do these little half-truths. He says, if you're the son of God, if you're really a child of God, 
you wouldn't have been a horrible person driving around Austin this week, or you wouldn't have cheated on your taxes, or your spouse, or cheated at work, or stole from work, whether it was time or actual stuff. You wouldn't have done this. Satan throws our sin back on us as an accuser. And maybe in a small sense, some of that is true. I was like, this one's always true for me, but it's safe to share because I'm a pastor and it's like, oh, everyone's kind of like this. I'm, a, I'm not a happy driver. I don't want to be stuck behind you. And when you don't do the zipper merge, you're not doing it correctly, okay? Bear it off a soapbox. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Your sin is not your primary identity. It feels that way a lot of times. But your anger, your bitterness, your lashing out at your spouse or your partner or whatever, that's not your primary identity. If you're baptized into Christ, your primary identity is, I'm a son or a daughter of the king. So Satan can't get Jesus on the first one or the second one. And then he's like, you know what? If he doesn't want to trade his identity, maybe he'll do it for power. I'll give you all this. They're standing on a high place. All the kingdoms of the world are there. What is the, what is the temptation there? Money, power, sex, influence, Instagram followers, right? In the right context, all of these things are awesome. But this is what Satan goes to. He's like, I didn't get him there, and I didn't get him there on identity. Maybe I'll just try to sneak into his identity and let him rely on something else rather than what the Father has said about him. And Jesus does this awesome thing. He's like, uh, get away from me, Satan. No. He uses scripture, and that's one of the good reasons for you guys to study scripture or to get it inside of you so that when Satan comes at you and tries to attack you, you can be like, that's not true. That's not true. I know that I have sinned, but that's not my identity. My identity is son or daughter of the king. Well, that's gone. In transition, it is so important to look at your closest and most important relationships. First off, that starts with what the Father says about you. It's the most important thing. What the Father says about you. He says, this one's my kid. Most important. Second, look at the other vital relationships. Who tells you that about yourself in life? There's this idea that we can have a relationship with God apart from God's people. And it's, it's really tough to look at the Bible and be like, oh yeah, that was the game plan. Just me and Jesus. Right? Because what he says is, he says, I died for your sins, you're forgiven, all of that. But also, here's the gift. The gift is the spirit and the gift is my people. They are not perfect. But their identity isn't in their perfection or they're striving for that. Their identity, who they are to the core is my kids. He's like, I want the kids to encourage each other, to say, Hey, that's not true about you. Keep going. To speak truth and life and freedom in to each other. So your most important relationship is with your father. 
And, and coming up closely, his idea, not mine, is the people that speak life into you. Some of that is in this room. Some of that you, you do on text, and, you're, and you have people that encourage you or love you or speak God's truth and his grace into your life. If you don't have that, let's talk. I'd love to get you connected to some people. Also, if you don't know the first one, the, the, the baptism thing, please, let's talk about that too. And I can be like, hey, this is what kind of what we say and what we think when we talk about this. So there's his baptism, his temptation, and then what does he do? He gets to work and does some crazy, amazing things. A lot of times, uh, you or I, when we're about to get ready to get to work, there's a big, big roadblock. What is it? It's our past. Because we say, I'm disqualified for this because of what happened back then, or what happened last night, or what happened 17 months ago, or something like that. I have a friend, uh, she is a dear friend of Krista and mine, and she has, like, (coughs) excuse me, she's got the best quote in the world for thinking about the future. Her name is Shelly, and she says this, if the gospel is true, people are allowed to change. If, If what we say about the empty cross and the power of the empty tomb, if that's really true, then your future isn't determined by your past. In transition, there, there can be a new tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't have to look like yesterday. Monday doesn't have to look like Saturday night. You can have, if the gospel is true, people are allowed to change. And sometimes as Christians, we need to remind ourselves of that and not say, I'm stuck and I'm never going to get out of this. And sometimes as Christians, we have to remind ourselves of that because we can, we can push each other back and say, oh, that's just the same person. Look at Paul. He went from lead persecutor, persecutor, lead terrorist of the church to the lead proclaimer, author of a good chunk of the New Testament. Alyssa, our worship leader, talks to me often, and she, he, she brings, talks to me often, that sounds stupid. Uh, when we talk, she, I, something just always comes out of her. And she says, There's so much freedom in Jesus. And she focuses on freedom. She's like, you know, it's awesome when people are living in freedom. She's like, I wish more of the church would live in freedom. And if the gospel's true, people are allowed to change. If the gospel's true, you have a new tomorrow. You have something that can change. The transition doesn't have to be relying on old things. It can be relying on what God says about you. If there's freedom there, then the author of that is what Jesus has done. He's the perfect manifestation of the Father's love for us on earth. And so I guess the invite, this is a terrible, this is a crash landing closing, but the invitation for you is to listen to the Father, to believe what he says about you. Am I his son? Am I his daughter? Yeah. And then the next step to say is, what is what is the invitation that Jesus is inviting me to? Is there an invitation to forgiveness or freedom from something in the past? What is he inviting me into today? And the beauty of this empty cross and the power of the empty tomb is the same spirit that rose God from the dead is in you. 
The same spirit that rose him from the dead is in you. And so there is freedom and there is forgiveness and there is new life in him. In your transitions, look to your most vital relationships. Look to the Father, look around, and then accept the offer of Jesus into a new tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, as we think about transition and we think about the stuff in our life, may we not focus on everything in the past or all the stuff we've done. But what it's, it could be good stuff. But would you just speak super clearly into our lives and say, in the anxiety or the stress or the, all the question marks, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. Let that sink deep into our hearts so we can follow you more. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're about to go to communion.